All right, folks, welcome back to part two of the uh, episode with Dave Kitchen on development psychology. And, and real quick, man, just to take some steps back, man, I forgot to really talk about some shit that I be doing, man. I'm really heavy in the stock market, just in case y'all, um, most of y'all didn't know. Um, I mean, I've been seriously invested in the stock market since like 2014, I think, when I first got into it. Um, and just to shed a little bit of light on that before we get into the episode, um, I'll be honest, man, I was working at Parisi's at the time and it was... Um, like I had no retirement account, nothing like that. I had money saved up in the savings, but, um, you know, basically picked up, you know, a subscription to Forbes for a year, read some stuff, got, got a little, uh, I guess smarter in that regard or some intellect. Um, you know, the first pair of stocks I bought was Apple and it, it's been doing extremely well and it's really, um, came back and, you know, giving me some great returns on my investment. I still haven't pulled that money out cause we, you know that 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 that's for long, long term. But um, yeah. But I don't read Forbes no more. I read Barrons. I read Kiplinger. Um, I got a guy by the way, Pat Whalen. He's my wealth advisor. Um, does a phenomenal job. Um, he'll be coming on the podcast shortly at some point. But uh, yeah, that's something I've been doing. And over quarantine, I've been you know purchasing big time. I mean, stock market was in a bear back in March, early April, and you know if you were selling your stocks at that point. You did yourself, you know, a horrible disservice for, for your future because you pulled money out that, you know, right now could have been at least tripled or quadrupled. But, uh, yeah, that was another thing I was doing on quarantine. Just just so uh, to add on to the previous episode, I wasn't playing video games the whole time. I did that to pass the time. But, um, yeah, big time, big, big, big time. The biggest stocks I recently bought was uh, DraftKings. Uh, bought it on, uh, on its IPO date. You know, it was about 11 bucks a share. It was pretty much quadrupled since then. So uh, we're sitting well, man. But, anyway... Enough about that, baby. Let's get right to it. Um, part two with Dave Kitchen. They don't know who they are without ball because they never were built into, into a structure that supported, you know, other interests and other things that were important. And that's not everybody, man. That's a very general statement. Um, it's a very blanket statement because to, to dive deep into it, we'd, we'd be here all day. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, I, listen, I can relate to that because back when I was in high school, listen, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do after or, you know, after my time in college, you know, I just knew my college coach said, Hey, look, place kicking, you're a great place kicker. That's going to get you to D one. He said, do you want to play division one football? And I remember saying, hell yeah, I want to continue to play football. That's, that's my past. It's my dream, you know, but yep. at the same time, when football got taken away from me, Kitch, when I had my back injury, I was, man, I remember in, in my soft room, uh, dorm room crying. I remember saying to myself, fuck, I just don't want, I don't want to go to school to Delaware no more. I just want to transfer some mind. I think I want to come home and go to Rutgers. She's like, okay, what do you want? Do you want to study the same thing at Rutgers? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. But then I met my, you know, what, my college professor at the time, who now was probably one of my best life mentors, uh, who, you know, guided me on the path to say, hey, look, you, you sound like you really want to be a strength coach. This is how you do it. And, you know, thanks to her, you know, I'm here today. So, um, but again, like, Kitch, when the sports when the sport is forced away from you, whether it be injury or you know grades or just not good enough to play the next level, how, how does that mentally, I, I guess, alter someone's decision making going forward? You think, man? So I, that's I, a I deep think it's a question, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a deep question, man. And I honestly, I related it back to myself because I I personally got medically DQ'd, um, <clears throat> so the, so the sport was taken away from me, um, and I, I think. It changes a lot of things, man, because you realize how out of control you are mm -hmm. and how many things, you know what I mean? Everybody always says, right, play every snap like it's your last snap or whatever. Um, but I don't think you truly realize it until something is taken away from you and then you start to cherish it, you know, and then I think that does, I think it 
can either really positively impact your decision making or it can really negatively impact your decision making. Because I've seen kids that give up, man. I've seen kids that that ball gets taken away from them and they just kind of float and they don't know what to do next and and you know they don't know where to go and it really negatively impacts their decision making um, to where they just they don't care. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've seen other kids that ball gets taken away from them and they find the next avenue and they find something else to replace that with, you know, that passion and that, that effort and that energy. Um, and I think that's important too, you know, so I, I know for me personally, it took me, man, a, at least a year, you know, it took me a year. And when they say it takes a village, it took a village, man, to get me right after I was done playing ball. Yeah, no, I mean, it took a village, man. It took my head coach, um, you know, not letting me go down the wrong path. And I mean, forcibly not letting me go down the wrong path. I wasn't on the team anymore. He was still, you know, making me go to meetings and, and having one-on-ones with him um, and, and did some things for me that ultimately, you know, led my, my life down the right path as opposed to really screwing up an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think if the support system is there, then the kid can be successful and they, they can positively impact their decision-making. But I think if there's no support system there, man, it's, it's tough. and you know, we know as coaches, I mean, let, let's think about it this way, right? So if you're, you know, you're, you're geography right now, right? Say you're the head guy at, you know, XYZ University, Power 5, and everybody's on your phone, man. Everybody's hitting your line. They want you on podcasts. They want you to be this. They want you to do that. You get fired. How many people do you think are hitting your phone? Man, maybe one or two. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, no, one, or, no, one or two real ones, right? Yeah, but no, no one's calling to check in, and I guarantee no one's calling to uh, ask for favors anymore. Right. And so what does that do to your identity? You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's a question, too. That's a question, too. So, and so I think it happens multiple times throughout you know, life. It's not just 18 to 22-year-old kids. I think it's everybody. And you know, if you don't have a full, a full understanding of who you are and what you're about as a human, um, you know, external things will be what you form your identity around. And that's not, that's not healthy. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not something that I think in my opinion, again, I'm not, I'm not the, the world's smartest guy here, but um, in my opinion, you know, I don't think it's a healthy way to live. And I think that's why we need to continue to push um, these psych resources towards our student athletes and help them, you know, to develop a whole, you know, they say like developing the total athlete, right? Well, that's part of it, man. That's mm-hmm. part of it, developing their mind and developing their identity and developing those things so that if that stuff does happen, they can handle it. And us as coaches have to do it too, man. I know we both can sit here and, and you know, if we wanted to talk about coaches whose full identity is coaching, mm-hmm. you know, who are you outside of coaching? And that was something I was very careful about, um, you know, coming up was when I was younger, man, all I was, was a strength coach from, from my first probably five years in the industry. Um, you know, I've only been in seven. So five out of the seven years I was in, all I was, was a strength coach, man. I wasn't, I wasn't a boyfriend. I wasn't a brother. I wasn't a son. I wasn't a friend. I was a strength coach. That's what I did. Uh And that's who I was. Um, and then as I kind of made this transformation, not transformation, that's a very strong word, but we kind (laughs) of did did this, did this soul searching, I guess, uh, slightly less strong. Um, you start to realize that like, you got to hang your hat on other things, you know? And I think, I think that's really important and it's something that, that grounds you, you know, and you got to figure out who you are and what you're about. Um, and so that's why I think it's so important. And I love seeing the coaches that are willing to, to take the whistle off and, and be a human, you know what I mean? And, and not, not allow this industry to, to swallow them whole because I think it can, you know, and, and it's easy to, you know, when you love something, it's easy to let it take over, you know? 
Yeah, and it's the same thing with that. Changer. Same thing with sports, man. Same thing with sports. If you, if you love football, man, it's easy to let it take over. Uh-huh. You don't know any better and you're good at it and you love it, you know, okay. And, and I think there's, there's merit to that. You know, people say find what you love and let it kill you. I mean, on a level, okay. But I also think that there's a, there's a line to it. Yeah, and I can't just can't let it consume you fully, you know. I mean, right. listen, I, w- I was in that same role. I guess everyone gets there. Every every strength coach at one point early on in their career gets into that. Uh, I'm a strength coach, and that's all I am. But then you start to realize, like, shit, you know, I got I got people to hang out with. I can't neglect my social life. I can't neglect my you know love life. You know, family life. You know, all those other stuff. You know, hundred um, percent, man. And that's pretty. Yeah, I'll be honest. Outside of strength coach, man, shit, I I, I love gaming, bro. You catch me on Madden. Get ready for uh, <laughs> get ready for the dub club. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh man, oh man, Joe on the sticks, huh? Hey, hey don't, I don't play with. It. I can't, it's funny because uh, some some of our kids here at Fordham. I remember our quarterback wanted to play me a Madden. I'm like, dude, listen, I've been playing Madden before your your mom and pops even thought about having you. So think about. <laughs> I was talking back in '95, I was playing Madden when, jo- when Johnny was still on the cover. Man, oh man! Hey, Kitch, Kitch, I went into that locker room, smoked him, 21 nil. Not even the end of the first quarter. I just handed the controller back to the next man. Said somebody finished the game. I gave you 21. I do this shit for real, man. But anyway, oh, man. <laughs> hey, but. But kids, back back on topic, man, because I could talk about Madden all day. But um, <laughs> when it comes to like you know, I guess like mindsets of, of some people, the, the psychological aspect, like narcissism, is, is narcissism real or is it just people acting like pricks? And like, how the fuck do people <laughs> develop narcissistic behaviors? Because that's the one behavior where I feel like it's easy to identify when you okay, this person's obviously a narcissist. The way they act, the way they speak about certain things, it's like. How the hell you develop that over life, man? Is it is that the only child syndrome? I doubt it because I know a bunch of only childs that don't act like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I mean, honestly, man, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Come on, um, man. Come I on. I know. I know. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, think, I think a good starting point would be there's a book called um, The Wisdom of Psychopaths. And I believe it's by... Psychopath. Yeah, I think it's called... I think it's by Keith Dutton. Sounds is his name? Scary, I, think, I think it's D-U-T-T-O-N. Uh, but it's really interesting, man. And, and what he talks about in there is basically that everybody has those traits in them, narcissism, um, you know, psychopathy, all those different things. Um, and basically that it's like a stereo. So like, think about the balancers on a stereo, right? And you can, you can turn things up and turn things down. And the normal humans, like normal functioning people mm-hmm. can turn things up and turn things down within certain situations. There are certain people who are your textbook narcissists, textbook psychopaths, that can't turn those knobs down because they're broken. And they just, they just keep amplifying them. Yeah, it just is what it is. And that's uh-huh. just who they are. Um, and wow. so you look, at, you look at certain people, it's pretty cool. He went into a study about um, you know, high performers and not, not traditionally who you would think of as a psychopath, right? You wouldn't think of a brain surgeon as a psychopath. But if you break down the, the traits that a brain surgeon has, you know, his ability to emotionally detach from what he's doing you know, I mean, really think about that. I mean, as a brain surgeon is, is cutting into someone's head, their heart rate at times can drop and they can actually be in a very calm flow state while they're doing this. Pop, um, pop a couple and, of beta blockers, man. <laughs> yeah, right. And, <laughs> and you know, so when you're doing that, you know, you look at people like that or, or a Navy SEAL or, you know, a fighter pilot, all these different people with these high level um, positions, you know, CEOs, a lot of times rate very high on the psychopath scale. Um, hmm. You know, so what you find is that these traits are 
evident in a lot more people than you think. And there's more people that if you looked at the traditional scale would actually fall into being a psychopath. I would argue a lot of football coaches would probably fall into it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think that there's, there's this conception and misconception, I guess, at times of what a psycho, like people say, oh, he's a psycho. You automatically, it's a negative connotation. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of psychos that are defending our country right now that are killing it and that are doing an awesome job and that I'm very proud of. And I think they're very high functioning individuals and they're high functioning in their personal lives as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not always negative, you know? So I think that, you know, the, the terms that get thrown around like narcissist um, and, and psychopath, the narcissist is a lot more negative than a psychopath. You know what I mean? Obviously there's, there's a lot more negativity that goes along with that because of the self-absorption um, and that aspect of it. But, I think that there has to be more, a deeper understanding of those terms and what actually goes into it. So I would definitely recommend to anybody listening, man, read that book. That book was, it was awesome. Um, it dude actually did an experiment where they, they blocked certain, um, neuron receptors so that he was able to feel what it felt like to be a psychopath. Get out of here. Yeah. 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 Dude. It's, it's cool, man. He talks about how, what's the name of his book again? The wisdom of psychopaths. The wisdom. Okay. I'm gonna write that down right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's cool. I mean, he talks about how he was like, you know, out talking to women and he was doing all these different things that he never would do, you know, as himself. And then all of a sudden, like there was just, it was like, he said it was like driving a golf cart and someone took the governor off and all of a sudden you could just drive, you could just drive fast. And so, yeah, it's, it's a cool book, man. I mean, again, it's, it's by a a couple doctors. I believe they're British guys. Um, I believe they're British doctors, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth the read. I think, you know, even for some strength coaches and stuff to get a better understanding of some of your athletes, um, it would be, would be worth the read. Cause there's definitely some guys that, that I've coached over my career that fall within that outside the, 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 uh, bell curve of, of normal behavior. Yeah, man. And I, f- I feel like the environment people grow up into has a big, uh, big role in development, you know, someone's psyche and whatnot. I mean, I've, I've personally, I felt like I always needed to get the hell out of Jersey city to, to develop and to focus on, you know, some things that I wanted to focus on. Like even when I moved back from college, I remember always going to like a Starbucks or something, you know, outside of Jersey city, just so I could, you know, study and read and focus and shit like that, you know, but like outside of the environment, how much do you think like music plays in like uh, psyche development or is, or is music just something we listen to? No, man, I I think it definitely, it plays into it. I think any, the first thing you learn, so this is another good Good. Look at you, man. You did your homework on this one. You uh, knew man, where this was come going. Come on now. You knew where this <laughs> come was on going. Now. <laughs> so, so one of one of Erickson's principles, man. One of Erickson's principles is that what you learn first is to take in. You take in sensory stimulus first, right? So, uh-huh. if you think about it, man, throughout your life, like there's so many research studies on how music affects mood, and over a long term, how it can affect you know depression or um, you know all these different. Um, you know, psychological issues that they can go on and mental issues that can go on. You know, I do think that music plays a huge role. Um, and so if you're constantly listening to, you know, violence and, and negativity in your music, I, I do think it can have a negative impact on your mood and a negative impact on your disposition. And it can ultimately kind of impact your whole, you know, mentality on things. I, I would argue, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know that to be true, so don't quote me on it, but, um, I would definitely argue that there's something to that. You know, I mean, think about it as a player, right? What do guys want to listen to before a game? They want to listen to some angry stuff. They want to listen to some stuff that's going to put them in that state um, to, to go and be aggressive. Right. Uh-huh. And it's that state of aggression, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to go and, and listen to, you go to a brain surgeon again, we'll go back to the brain surgeon. If you go in there, what are surgeons listening to when they're doing um, 
you know, operations. A lot of them are listening to classical music because it's very calm. It's very, you know, it's all based on patterns. It's very repetitive. Um, it's very, it induces that flow state. Um, and so I, I do think that, you know, music has a huge impact on it. And I think that, you know, there's a limit to that. Like I also know, you know, certain kids, like say you're, you're a country fan and you've listened to country your whole life. Well, a lot of country music's sad. Does that mean you're going to be depressed? I don't, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't yeah, think yeah. it goes that way. You know, I, I don't um, think it goes that deep, but, but I don't think it, you know, it's like they say, I don't, I don't know that positive thinking works, but I know that negative thinking does, you know, you mm. know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't say that, you know, listening to happy music all the time is going to make you a happier person, but I know that listening to sad music all the time might make you a little bit more sad if you're already kind of sad. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, that's, no, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of how I feel about it, but yeah, sad, man, I sad, think, sad music bring the tears out you've been wanting to bring out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, all of a sudden, bro, you're, you're sitting on the, you're sitting on the bench, man. You got some, you got some Adele playing. You got tears running down your eyes before that PR set. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't I don't know what this dude's doing, but he's he's in a different place right oh, now. Shit. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, but you you said you said mental health a while ago, and, and that kind of triggers me a little bit. Where it's like, hey, you know, I feel like now we're in a we're in a phase, or we're in a, we're in a point in life now, twenty twenty, where you know, one, mental health is a huge concern. Uh, two, more and more people are starting to come out and be honest about their own personal mental health issues. Where back in like the, you know in the nineties, guess you know, go earlier than that, eighties, seventies, whatever, early even the mid two thousands, like people weren't really talking about uh, you know mental health issues as much as they are now. Um, I, I guess you know if you want to talk about a few things, how do you address mental health? How do you uh, you know speak to someone or coach? Uh, let's talk coaching. How, how do you coach someone with you know mental health issues like depression? Because I think depression you know, can lead to, you know, worsening things, you know, um, like suicide or whatever. Right. Um, like how, do, how does, how do you approach people with these certain, certain severe mental health issues? Yeah. I mean, I mean, t- to be honest, that's, I- I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I, you know, yeah. my first thing is always follow your university's, you know, procedure, policy and procedure, whatever that is, as far as referring them to, to who they need to be referred to. But I think as coaches, you know, I'll, I'll kind of speak on it from that side you know, our responsibility as coaches is to first off, you know, educate ourselves um, and break the stigma ourselves and understand what these issues are and understand that they are prevalent in college athletics. Um, You know, our college athletes are at a higher risk for mental illness than the general population. And we need to be understanding of that and we need to be cognizant of it um, and understand, you know, where we're coming from with that. And I I think, you know, the other piece is familiarizing yourself with the resources that are available on your campus. You know, you got to know, you have to know who you're supposed to call. You have to know what resources are available to the young men and women, because a lot of times as a strength coach, man, these kids are going to tell you things that other, they're not going to tell other people. They're not going to tell other coaches. So it is our responsibility to notice and to understand these things and to maybe relay them to your director of sports med or whoever your proper contact is. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest thing that we can do is educate ourselves and, and know what we're dealing with and know, you know, understand the difference between a, you know, a, a, um, what's what I'm looking for, an isolated event. You know, is Johnny just having a bad day or has Johnny been having a bad day for, you know, six days now or seven days now or whatever? Do I need to maybe see if Johnny wants to talk to somebody? Mm-hmm. And, how, and, and again, you have to go by your university's policy on that. Maybe they don't want you to say anything. Maybe they want to handle it through athletic training. And that's fine. Whatever your university's um, you know, policies, that's what you need to do. But, 
but I think that we need to be proactive as coaches in identifying and understanding, you know, what we're dealing with and, and how can we help these kids. And if we don't, I think we're doing a disservice. Um, and, you know, I think the days of, like you said, it's 2020, we're all aware of it now. I think the days of saying like, oh, so-and-so is just being soft, like that's over. Like that's not, that's not what it is anymore, man. Like yeah, big time. Yeah. Dude, there are real, there, there are legitimate issues. And I think, you know, the other thing that we have to understand, everyone always says they're, they're college kids. What do they have to be stressed about? Dude, they have more on their plates than any college generation has before them. And they're under the microscope at a higher level than any other generation before them. So these kids are under pressure. They're Ex under pressure. And, you know, ex ex explain that, Kitch, because I'll be honest, I'm, I'm the guy that's always like, what are these kids stressed about? They're not paying bills. They're not, you know, X, Y, and Z. What, right, what right. Yeah, no, they're not, they're not paying bills. They're not paying bills. But think about from a daily demands standpoint, okay, the things that are going into their day. All right, they do have a, they have a lot more on their plate from a activity standpoint, from a requirement standpoint than we did when we were in school. Um, and I think that, you know, even more so from, from the outside world, right? They're under the microscope, man, from a social media standpoint, mm. all right? And from a, they're constantly, they got to be on, man. Everybody's got a camera now. I mean, think about when we were in school, Gio. I, I mean, I know at least for me, I was at the beginning of Snapchat and all that. You know what I mean? That wasn't a big thing until I was a little bit later in college. And so I was able to do what I wanted to do and live how I wanted to live. Um, but a lot of these kids aren't, you know, and, and, obviously there's positive re, you know, positive repercussion from that, but I think there's negative as well. Um, in that, like I said, they're always on display, you know, they're always on display and they're being tugged at and it's, it's a good thing because we're putting all these resources around them to help them, but they have academic advising meetings, they have tutoring meetings, mm -hmm. they have, uh, you know, one-on-ones with coaches, they have, um, indie time on the floor, they have film, they have practice, they have weights, they have meal checks, they have, all these different things that they got to get done throughout a day. So the whole day is smashed and they're constantly being told where to be, when to be there, what, you know, all these different things. So we might not see it as stress. We might see it as coaches as like, Oh, your life's easy. It's planned for you. Yeah, it is. But when you still sit down and look at that to-do list, man, that's brutal. That's yeah. still a lot. It's still sun up to sundown. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so I think we have to understand that as coaches. And, you know, at times I know it does seem to us like, Oh, it's, they're being soft. Well, again, they're 18 to 22 year old kids, man. And some of these kids, some of these kids, and this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say it. Some of these kids have never had any type of support in their life. Yeah. Have no idea. I've had guys that come in. The first time they had a bed was when they got to college. That's you know crazy. what I'm saying? And, and that's the reality, man. And I think it's more prevalent than people realize, especially, you know, in, in some of the, the more, um, I don't, I mean, I'll just say it. the more African-American dominated sports. So men's basketball, football, um, those types of things, you see these situations. And I'm not saying there's not uh, white kids that go through it. Cause there are, there's white kids that have told you me stories that'll break your heart, man. But mm -hmm. we see it a lot from the African-American community as well. They don't know. They've ne this, this is all so overwhelming for them. And then we just keep adding demands on top of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to gain 20 pounds. You got to get your GPA up by this. You got to take this course. You got to make sure your financial aid stuff is filled out. You got to do this. You got to do that all day, all day, all day. And then, oh, by the way, you got to go practice for two hours and we're going to beat your ass in lifting today. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, just, man. it just becomes a lie, you know? And so as coaches, you know, we have to be aware of that. We have to be cognizant of, of the demands that we're putting on the guys. And some of the best coaches that I've been around have been very aware of adding things to the kids' plates uh -huh. and saying, hey, how do we take things off their plates as opposed to adding it? Because a lot of times we're trying to help, right? 
So uh-huh. by us adding a, a nutritionist, right? Say you got a nutri- full-time nutritionist. All right, well, so-and-so has a meeting with the nutritionist. Well, that's a good thing. We're helping them. We're helping them you know, with their nutrition and making sure that they're fueling their bodies correctly and everything. But we're also adding another demand. Yeah. And now it's another person they got to answer to. You know, so at times it's like a double-edged sword. Like when is too much, too much, too much of a good thing, you know? So I think that there's a balance on that. And I think we're getting better as we move towards these, the high performance models, um, you know, similar to what uh, Pat Ivey's doing at Louisville. Um, you know, Bob Alejo has it going. I know NC State is working on one as well. If it's not already, I think they already have it done, the Wolfpack system or something like that. Um, but those types of models are really athlete centric. And they really focus on and respect the demands of the time, the demands of the student athlete. Um, and I think that's the way to go to start, you know, addressing some of these, these mental health issues and, and creating an environment that allows the student athlete to speak and be heard um, and feel safe and be willing to discuss these things. Um, because, you know, again, for, for me and you, man, in our generation, um, you didn't talk about it, man. If you were feeling sad, you better get over it. You better leave it at the door. You know what yeah. I mean? Like nobody wanted to hear that shit. Yeah, like, yeah. If, if I if, if I went to my head coach's office and was like, I'm feeling a little down today, you know, he'd be like, uh, what do you want me to do about that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock on him. It's just the generation that we grew up in. And so I think now, you know, those things are changing and, and we just have to continue to normalize it and make sure that these kids know that it's okay to go through this stuff and they're not broken. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing they're scared of, man. They don't want to feel broken. They don't want to be outside the group. Um, you know, but <clears throat> unfortunately, man, I'm, we were closer than, than we'd like to be to it. You know, we had a, uh, a young man in Georgia Southern this past year that took his own life and, and it was, oh, shit, man. you know, it was, a, it was a tough deal, man, but it's one of those things that nobody knew, you know? And so, so you always, as a coach, you know, and, and I, it wasn't my team directly, um, but obviously it affected our whole student athlete population and, and our university yeah, as a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you, you have to be aware of what's going on and you have to, we have to do a better job as coaches. Um, and that was something, you know, whether it's wellness surveys, conversations, doesn't matter. We got to do better as coaches. Um, and you know, I, I wrote my, my master's thesis on mental illness and mental health in college athletics and, and it's, it's there, man. And it's here and it's real and it's, it's affecting a lot more kids than we think. Yeah. And so we got to do a good job to, to be on the front lines of that and really push for it and really push for these resources to be available. Yeah. No, hey, just listening to you talk, you know, starts to open up some, you know, more brain activity in my head, man. It's like, you know, Hey, you're right. I mean, these kids got a lot more to live up to than just playing on the field. It's the grades. Uh, you know, if these kids came from, you know, poor socioeconomic backgrounds and say, Hey, I got, I got to keep the grades up. I got to keep my performance on the field high. I got to gain the weight the coach is saying, I got to get stronger. Like coach is saying, and all that rides on, you know, what their past is probably like, you know, like, Hey, I'm yeah. trying, trying hey. to get out of this shitty environment and all right. in my shitty environment at home is relying on every fucking thing. My coaches, my peers and my teachers are asking me to fucking do. And I, I, you know what? And, and looking at it the way you're talking about it, catch me. Yeah. That is a lot of fucking stress, dude. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. You know? hundred percent. And let, let's talk about this piece, man. It's something that people don't want to talk about, but it's true. How many of those kids from tough socioeconomic backgrounds, we say to them, right, why, why aren't you eating? You got money. You got your refund check or you got your scholarship check. Mm-hmm. Where'd that scholarship check go, man? That went home to pay the bills. That went home to pay the bills. You want to talk about being stressed. Try being 18 years old, being, you know, whatever, however many miles away from home and being the man of the house over that the phone. Too. Yeah, that too. You yeah, know? Being away from home, yeah. 
It's tough, man. It's tough. And it's, it's, fu- it's funny you say that real quick. This is, this, I'm, I'm about to say some funny shit. I remember when I was in Let's college. <laughs> I remember when I was in college and all these kids are getting a fucking refund check. I said, man, who the fuck is my check? Call my mom. <laughs> hey, ma, I get a refund check. and so all these kids got fucking money coming. This guy just bought himself a nice little used car. Oh, no, no, no. My, my mom had his Italian. I said, no, no, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. She's like, she talking about how, what she needed to use the money for. And I'm like, fuck, man. I can't, can't buy me a nice little used car. <laughs> but no, but hey, but but you're right, though, man. Like, even thinking about, man, if you recruit a kid, you know, say you're coaching at, let's just say, you know, you're coaching up here in New Jersey. You recruit a kid from Texas. This motherfucker too far from home to even, you know, feel comfortable from home. Now he's stressed out with, yeah. with the new environment, the new place that he's in, you know? So, yeah, I guess. I guess it's more prevalent now looking at mental health. And it's good that, you know, coaches and that, you know, admins and universities are starting to, you know, not, not buy in, but starting to allocate the resources for this stuff because it's real, you know, back, yep. back, when, back when I played, like you said, if you had a bad day, keep it to yourself or talk to your roommate about it. That's it. Don't tell your yeah, coach. Yeah, that's, that's it. You know, just, call your girl, man. That's, that's what you got to do. Call your girl, yeah, figure it call, out. Call somebody who, <laughs> call somebody who cares. That was back in 2005. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, I, I remember they used to joke with us, man. They, they'd always tell us that that's your feelings coach. Go yeah. talk to him. He's the, he's the feelings coach. I'm like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. If you don't address it, but you knew what's been going on. Now you're in, you know, you find yourself in, in a whole bunch of shit that you got to, you know. Absolutely, man. And find then, and to try to get out of, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and on a deeper level, man, you know, it's, it's a thing where if you're, if you're the coach, right, you're a strength coach and, and you got a young man and you didn't notice. And then one day you wake up and you get a phone call that, you know, he or she took their, took their own life. Like how does, you know what I mean? That weighs on you, man. Like what could you have done better? Why didn't you notice? Yeah, yeah, Were you yeah. looking? You know what I'm saying? So like we just have to be aware of it. And I, I'm not saying that it has to be a, you know, we have to drop everything we're doing and, and this is our primary and only focus. No, but it, it, it has to be something that we now bring into our scope of practice and that is athlete wellness and just making sure that our kids are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a tough conversation to have. And, and for some strength coaches, it's highly uncomfortable because we, we, you know, we try and be Superman ourselves. And I think that's another piece, man. I think there's coaches with mental health issues. I think there's coaches that go through some stuff and, and don't want to talk about it. And so we expect the kids to not talk about it. Well, just cause we have a broken system doesn't mean they need to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, you, you look at the, I, again, it's it's a terrible analogy, but but you look at the way the the LGBTQ community or the African American community was viewed by people in previous eras, right? They just didn't talk about it, or they they were uh, they objected it, or whatever. Um, and so, if we do that with mental health, then we're no better than them. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's the same. Like we have to continue to grow this world. We have to continue to move forward and accept more things and this is something that's been ignored for far too long, you know, and has been ignored at a, at a high rate. And, you know, the young man from uh, Indiana put out, I don't know if you read this, put out a story about his, his attempted suicide and uh, really talked about opening up about his mental health issues. And, and I thought that was awesome. I'm like, that's what we need, man. Because for, especially in the sport of football, um, I would say probably more so than some of the others. And I don't know that to be true, but that was just my, my experiences, my opinion you know, we're expected to be these gladiators and expected to be these tough dudes and, and day in and day out, we play if we're hurt. You know, you, we always say, right, you're hurt or you're injured. Exactly, um, yeah, that's you know, the word. All, all these different right things, man. Yeah, so, you know, that's what we're taught. And so when it comes to feelings and, and depression or anxiety, um, you know, any of the mood swings, all this different stuff, you know, we're taught, you just got to suck it up and deal with it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not fair. 
that's not fair to these kids to put that pressure on them that if they have something that is you know, medically an issue, it needs to be addressed. And we need to make sure that they have the resources to do so. Um, otherwise, we're doing them a disservice, you know, and otherwise it becomes a, I won't get on that rant, but it becomes a farm market where we're just bringing them in, treat them like cattle, play the game, make us money and then get out. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not what this is about. It's about higher education and it's about bettering kids' lives. Yeah, so that's what you don't want it to become, man. But I mean, I, I started doing uh, wellness questionnaires with my athletes uh, back in 2015 when I was at Fairleigh Dickinson, we started doing that. We, we've added um, a component where it's like, hey, rate your classroom stress and then yep. rate, your, rate your personal stress. And it's like, hey, if there's no classroom stress, but there's personal stress, then you know it's something at home, you know, something going on in the kid's life. But if it's classroom stress, we'll look at it as a strength coach and say, all right, fuck it. You know, you probably got a bunch of, you know, term papers and shit to write, but it's the personal right. stress where, you know, I'll even take a kid inside after a lift and I'll talk to him and say, hey, look, what's going on? Do you, is this something you don't want to talk about? You know, they'll generalize their statement or whatever. Then I'll leave them with the ultimatum. Like, hey, do you want to lift tomorrow? You know, if, if, it's, yeah. if it's that stressful, listen, I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't want to lift tomorrow. Um, and that's just, you know, not to show the kids that I care, but it's just like, hey, look, if I'm stressed out, guess what? I don't want to do shit, to be honest with you, you know, but I, you know, right. we're working. We got to come to work. We got to show up. We can't use that as an excuse. But if I'm in their shoes, I always tell them, hey, look, I wouldn't want to lift if I'm highly stressed out about some family issue or, you know, a friend or family, you know, death or whatever the case is. So I'll always Yeah. Yeah. Is, and and from, from a training standpoint, man, you know, from a training standpoint, the body doesn't know the difference between stress, you know, emotional stress and physical stress. So at the end of the day, from a, from a readiness standpoint, you know, what are you going to get out of that kid if they, if they are, you know, a seven out of 10 stress? Hey, you're going to get a shitty uh, session out of, you know, and there's a yeah, bunch so, of Yeah. So what's the point at that point, at that point, let's go and take care of, you know, this issue and then come back when you're, when you're feeling better. You know, that, that's my opinion. And I know people are, Oh, you got to go. You got to go. Well, I, okay. You know, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there's a time and a place. And I think if you're a good enough strength coach, then, then you're not worried about missing one session. Cause to me, if one session is the difference, then you're not doing your job anyways. Yeah. And then I, you know I'll, I mean? I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm a great coach or a good coach or a bad coach, but you know, every time I had a kid, you know, with high personal stress and I've asked them if they want to take the session off, they'd always reply back. Now, coach, listen, you know how to keep my mind off these things, coach. And that's yes. like, all right, yep. say, hey, I, I guess I'm doing a better job than just training you to get stronger and faster, you know? Exactly, man. And that's what it's all about, dude. I love this industry. And that's, that's why, because people talk about, you know, it's, it's about getting guys more powerful, whatever, all these different things, man. It's about life, dude. It's about, yeah. it's about life, man. It's a, it's a, it's an awesome platform and it's a great vehicle, um, to really push these young men and women that, that we work with and that we serve, um, to be the best versions of themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, um, all those things. And, and that's, you know, stories like you just told right there. That's why, you know, that's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Not definitely, man. I'll tell you what, my biggest why I just want to fucking win some, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win. And I, I want to, I guess what, I want to win kitchen. I want to enjoy it with every single body, man. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my yeah. thing. Man. No, there's, but, there's no doubt, man. Hey, uh, hey, catch, man. Listen, I loved it, man. This was some good shit you talked about today, man. It's a great conversation. If, if some of my listeners want to get in contact with you, man, what's the best way to reach out to you, big dog? Oh man, I'm always open to talk to anybody. Uh, you can shoot me an email. It's dkitchen7863 at gmail. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I'm at Coach D Kitch. So at Coach D Kitch. Um, also got a, uh, a leadership development company that's coming in the works here. So keep an eye out for that. Um, it's going to be Edge Leadership Academy. Should be launching sometime 
um, in late July, early August. So, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to do some podcast stuff and, and do some pretty unique content um, in the leadership development field. So yeah, man, anybody that wants to get in touch, reach out, I'll follow up. I can get you guys any of the resources that we talked about um, or anything that you guys are interested in. That's awesome stuff, man. Edge Leadership Academy, man. It's, are you making moves, man. I see you play, boy. Shoot, trying to, man. Trying to. Got to, man. Got to, man. It's funny. <laughs> I, I, I put out a tweet today. What the hell did I say? Evolve with the times or become a dinosaur. And I feel like a lot of people started to turn into dinosaurs out here, man. And that's good. That oh, you're man. Figure out some other things for yourself, man. Hey, but that's last, it. last question for today, man. Here comes the curveball. You ready for it, man? Ready for it. Shoot it. All right. If you weren't doing what you're doing today, Kitch, what would you be doing in life? Uh, for your career. Wow, man, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, if, if, if you let that, that's a two part question. Check this out. If you weren't a strength coach and you weren't doing what you're doing with your PhD, what else would you be doing? <laughs> if, if I was, if I wasn't a strength coach, I wasn't a strength coach. Um, I think I would be a, a position coach. I'd be, I would still be a coach of some sort. I'd be coaching football, um, somewhere, you know, and, and if I wasn't doing what I was doing with my PhD, uh, I mean, if I'm still chasing passions, I would try and be joining the uh, the Bassmasters tour, man. And I would I'd be fishing. You'd catch me on a on a boat somewhere, and, and you know the, ba- the backwoods of the backwoods of Mississippi on a little John boat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> snap. A, a cold and cold beverage and a cold beverage and a, a, cold, a okay, a, cold beverage. <laughs> see where you going with it? <laughs> that's 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 where I'd be, man. I'd maybe maybe write a book or something. I don't know. That's dope. <laughs> hey, that that that's that's pretty cool. I never heard somebody want to do that before, man. That's pretty. You you, uh, you, uh, you like fishing? Hobby? I uh, lo- love fishing, man. Love fishing. Grew yeah. up in uh, the backwoods of Pennsylvania, man. They call it Pennsylvania up here. What um, the fuck. Oh yes, you, you can imagine how that was for for an African American young man growing up in that town. There was, <laughs> there's there's uh, four of us on the football team, so you know we we held it down. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, man, got a diverse yeah, that, portfolio out there, man. Oh, big time, big time, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I I grew up I grew up in, in uh, cowboy boots and and the whole deal, man. Everybody drove trucks and learned how to hunt and fish and you know skin a rabbit at 12 years old and figure uh. it out from there. Dude, see, I'm a city boy, man. I never fished. Dude. It's funny. I actually, I actually went fishing. Not fishing, fishing. Like, you know, this is just like find a creek and then throw, throw a little rod in there. <laughs> I went out with my boy about three weeks ago and I actually caught a little small ass fish. And I'm like, look at that man. Say, I'm done fishing. I'm done fishing. First time I go, I catch something. I'm done. I'm great. I want it. <laughs> no, nah, man. Fishing, fishing's great because it's, it can be as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. Yeah, I got you. Go out, man. It's 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 cool, man. You'll you'll enjoy it. I t- hey, I put my boy Marcus on now. Marcus is from uh, Sacramento, California. He had never been fishing. He moved out to Pennsylvania to be uh, work with me at, at Susquehanna. He was my assistant, and I took him fishing. Man, he's hooked. He's and hooked. I, yeah, he hooked just like them. Them fish. Yeah, no, nah, nah, see, Marcus. He, he could couldn't get enough of it, bro. Couldn't get enough. Nah, I feel so, it, man. But hey, catch, man. Listen again, man. I want to thank you for coming on, big dog. You've been uh. You know, a great, great, uh, uh, great episode here. I mean, great information that you brought to the table, man. I lo- loved having you on, man. We got to do this again at another point. Dude, absolutely, man. Hit me up anytime you want and let, let's link up again and, and see where we're at. No doubt, big dog.